All right, we have Kareem here, experienced pro better. Follow him on Twitter, KK12KK12. That is where he's putting out some of the stuff that he talks about when it comes to sports betting. But how are you doing today, Kareem? I'm good, Josh. This is my first time, like in the in the public sphere as as a sports better. I, t- I tend to keep a pretty low profile, um, so it's nice to it's nice to be talking to you. And it was great to spend time with you a couple weeks ago in Vegas. So excited to, excited to get into the weed. Hell yeah, man! Vegas was a great time. Uh, I actually just had Ray on. I was telling you, our buddy Ray uh, Agrinzone who is talking about some of the, some betting stuff as well. He's a little bit different than, than how I think you and I bet on things at times. Uh, but you know, there's, there's more than one way to, to skin the cat and all that. And, and I, we still preached responsibility. So it was a good time though, but he did tell that story about the, the cashed parlay for 70 K. I'm assuming you're very well versed in that story. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was, he, he I was one of the first people he told <laughs> when he became Reddit famous. Um, <laughs> Fun, funny guy, man. Yeah, I love yeah. Ray. We actually yeah, just Ray's played a basketball time. game together last night. So, yeah. hell yeah, good to hear he's not he's not uh, retired just yet. That's good. <laughs> but no, man, let, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about you for one sec because, like you said, this is your first time putting yourself out there a little bit more in terms of someone who's in the sports betting world. And I mean, I think I don't think you mind me saying like it's in your Twitter handle there, sort of like you know, casual better turned uh, full-time hustle kind of thing, right? Like part-time hustle turned full-time hustle. Uh, so just tell us a little bit about your experience with betting, how it kicked off and how it grew into something that was like pretty lucrative for you as of late. Oh man. I mean, I- I've always been very into two things, sports and statistics. And they've, they kind of came together while when I was younger, when we started playing fantasy sports and I was always very interested in, in the analytical side of things and trying to find an edge, you know, whether it's competing against your friends or whatnot. And and when I, when I got a bit older, um, I was about 25 and I actually through the, an intersection of like crypto and sports betting, I ended up putting a little bit of money in Bovada, which is a lot of people's first foray before legalization. The gateway. Um, exactly. And I I actually bet it on my favorite basketball team, the Celtics, to win the Atlantic Division one year because they had a generous hundred dollar hundred percent match. So I turned like two hundred fifty bucks into a thousand, which was a big deal at the time for me. And and since then, I kind of you know started betting maybe fifty bucks a pop here and there, uh, and really just scaled up as time went on. A big a big shift was when sports betting became legal here in Colorado. There were just a lot more opportunities in gateways. And uh, frankly, it just, it, it was kind of a slow roll and one thing led to another and it turned into something that I was generating pretty consistent and positive results. Or yeah, have scaled up from there to the point where it, it's been my full focus for the past year and is basically my full source. It is my full source of income right now and will be for the foreseeable future. I'm starting a PhD next year and you know, they don't, they, they're paying me for that, but they're not, they're not giving me too much money. So I'm definitely, um, you know, I'm definitely in, in this world for the present and for the, for the foreseeable future, at least. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think it's really cool that, you know, you you have bigger aspirations, but you see sort of a, an opportunity and you're taking advantage of it. And, and before we get too much into how come you've been successful and maybe some of the stuff that you've used to become successful, 
the the thing I want to hit on that I hit on with with Ray when I asked him the same thing is like he, everything that you guys said was kind of different except for one being Colorado and that really being a, a huge you know igniter for for then being able to do that more consistently but also the fact that like you didn't just come out and start throwing dollars that you didn't necessarily like that you didn't necessarily have or couldn't afford to put on it you you were betting it slowly to get experience in the space building a bankroll by winning bets that were a lot smaller in the let's say five ten fifteen dollar range and using that money to then build up and then eventually get to 50 bucks and then like you said being able to do it so that as a as an adult you're able to support yourself uh financially on that right and so i mean you, you can you can agree that that's that's how it kind of worked for you right yeah absolutely i mean it, it would be i, I was a teacher and an administrator for the past 10 years. And so this is legitimately something I would, I would do on my own time. Like I, I, my essentially, like I would get home at five, you know, rush and try to try to get my, my bets in before NBA tip offs and then maybe go play basketball myself and then back. Right. And it was just, it, it just was a routine and it could not, I think like the, the best thing I did is I never viewed it as like a short term result, right? Like yeah. it was never like, I need to win this day. It was like, I need to win this month. I need to win this year. Like, what is the advantage that I have here? Right. And mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing people do in this space that is wrong is they're very result oriented instead of process oriented and i know we'll talk about that more so i'll try to think it's too much to what you were just saying there i think it's actually relevant to what we should how we should sort of open up the conversation about what we're going to talk about here which is i think you know the the overarching topic is going to be how to do this responsibly what it's really like like an inside a little bit more of an insider look at someone who is actually funding themselves as this is their professional uh right like daytime job essentially and, and nighttime and whatever time that you need to find value i'm sure you know as a sports better so um the first thing that i wanted to touch on that you just brought up as a way to kind of dive into it is the idea um that you have a plan and that it's a it's a long-term game it's not just oh i lost tonight oh i've lost three nights in a row or what have you. It's it's definitely taking a step back and looking at it. Ray put it great. Uh, looking at it as a business, looking at it in a way of like what's going in and what's co what's coming in and what's going out uh, of this business, right? And so uh, when you're when you're breaking down, the product is lines, the product is odds and offerings, uh, and then all the other little things that kind of come into play when when you're talking about the the logic of sports betting and the strategy to it. So um, let, let me just start with. You know the when when you're watching the season, right? Well, we'll keep this to NBA for now. I know you bet a, a good amount of of NFL too, right? Well, let's actually, let me let me actually just back up and ask you that. Like, what are you betting first of all in terms of the sports, um, and, and how closely you're following those sports during the season? Yeah, I mean, I originate my own NBA sides and NBA props, so I'm I'm generally doing my own work creating numbers in those two areas and that's kind of my fundamental focus um i also am doing wnba prop work right now but that's the season's shorter there's less games so my, like my main origination is in nba in mm -hmm. nfl there's a lot of people i've gotten to know through my work that are really sharp and that i will essentially in exchange for me sharing my 
plays in my areas, they'll do the same in their areas. And so I, I would say like my my income in NFL is comparable as to that in NBA. It's just not right. It's not my own stuff really. And and I think you have to be really careful there because it's a lot harder to win with when stuff isn't your own. Yeah. But there is, you know, I'm never I'm never gonna tell anyone that I don't bet a certain sport because as long as I see opportunity somewhere, then I'm gonna bet that sport. Totally. I bet on the and, hot dog contest this year. Totally. And and there and if you have sound logic behind it all, then you're gonna go for it, right? Like and, and let me let me ask you this. When you are tailing, you know, when when you're exchanging these bets and you're going like, all right, NFL guy, here's my NBA stuff, and you get his NFL stuff or her, what do you do you how much do you <laughs> Ver- validate it, verify it, or or insert your own a- analysis into it? Or are you just going, well, this guy wins money, but in order to to tail him appropriately and win money alongside him, I need to do pretty much everything he does. You can't really right, cherry pick which bets you would take necessarily. Is that is that how you view yeah, it? Yeah, I think it correlates with the amount of trust you have for the person, right? And the amount of expertise you believe they have. So the the criteria I use for that is essentially like, do they beat the closing number? So if I know with confidence that there's a guy I'm working with on WNBA right now, and I'm essentially sharing my WNBA props and he's sharing me his game market. So sides and totals and pretty much 90% of the sides and totals he's sharing with me from the time he shares it with me and the time the game starts, the number is moving. And so mm-hmm. I know that like it would be dumb for me to question it because in the mm-hmm. time I'm questioning that, the number is going to move and it's not going to be a bad anymore. And so it's mm-hmm. a missed opportunity. Right? If there's someone who maybe I'm finding on Twitter and they're putting stuff out and I'm not fully trustworthy, then it actually like doesn't matter to me like what play they're giving me and i'm more interested in the rationale and if the if some of the reasoning is good and and on point and has yeah. merit that I, I i think is not baked into the number already and there, there's two things to hit on there i think that are really important one is when we talk about what the closing number is versus an opening number and, and why those are different um, and that's a little bit of beginner stuff just want to run through it real quick and the, the other thing that i want to run through that you said as well is is when you don't necessarily have the advantage of getting to a line or a bet early. And then now you really need to see, you really do need to like crunch some numbers to compare like what, how you view your projections of what should happen here or, you know, at times versus what is, is being offered by the books. But the first one being opening number is when the books first give you a number. And in the NFL, like, I think I'm not saying it's more important than in the NBA. I think it's equally as important everywhere. But in the NFL, there's so much more time between when an, a number will open and when the game actually occurs versus in the NBA, you're not getting opening lines in the regular season until the night before. Maybe if both teams have like two days off, you can get like a 36 hour ahead of time line or something like that. Right. So it's a little bit more important in, in the NFL that when a bet comes out and it's oftentimes you can get a bet at times like like the Saturday that's eight days before a Sunday you might have a line already for that week before week one even starts you might see a week two line in there in some books right so that's how early you can get to stuff yeah and and I would say there are exceptions in the NBA like NBA always posts Christmas stuff really really early and some some of those numbers if you get them earlier you have a better chance of beating the number 
Yeah. Uh, but I would say, and I think this is important for your guests to hear, Josh, is that if you are betting major markets on game day, spreads and totals, you are not going to win. Go ahead and burn that. <laughs> like it, it's, it, I think it, it's just something that I honestly wish I knew when I was starting that yeah. like that, those numbers are not beatable. So let's, like, let's talk about the why time that is the for game a second. Starts. Let's, yeah. to, let's totally talk yeah. about why that is, because this is totally, you know, this is the the logic of it all. And and what, what, what happens is the number opens in the NFL. Let's say it's Chiefs over the Broncos minus four and a half, right? The the, the Chiefs are, are favored minus four and a half, probably at Denver if it's that low. Uh, but they're, they, what, what will happen is that's the first number that will come out. That number is, yeah, there's, that number comes from the sports book and, and very few of them are actually opening lines right for the most part there's like a small handful usually even less than five sports books that will actually offer a legitimate opening line that hasn't been sort of market corrected or market shopped meaning like they're checking what the other books are doing so let's say it's usually like let's say it's DraftKings and they come out with an opening line of minus four and a half for the chiefs and uh plus four and a half for the broncos right people are going to start betting on that Money's going to come in and a certain amount of bets are going to come in. And what they're looking for at all times is that there's an equal amount of bets betting on minus four <laughs> and a half for the Broncos or for, on the Broncos covering or, or winning an equal amount of bets on the other side as well. So right? that that's something that I think needs to be clarified, too, because they actually don't care if they have an even amount of money on both sides. What they do care about is like every sports book that is sharp will profile certain betters. And they will know who their betters are that are smart and that they know when. And they will only move the number if they're taking what they consider smart money. Right. And so, oh, got you. So they care about who is moving the line, not just that it moves. Yeah. Like if you're, if your buddy who is a multimillionaire and is like, I want to bet on sports. Is going to is going into the DraftKings app and betting twenty k on Denver, they're not going to care. But if a group like Red Angle Sports, which has a his like a history of of winning, <laughs> and they bet the Broncos four and a half, they're going to be like shit. That number should be shorter, and we're going to move it to Denver three and a half. So I think that's like a really important discrepancy to make is they don't necessarily care that the money's 50 50 they they care that the the smart money is close to 50 50 got you and they do i mean how are they predicting the public's reaction to that stuff you know like if they if if a book if, if a book is able to be moved by one few people who they know are sharp and it moves like they're moving it against what they just did so that more sharp money will come on the other side. But how are they taking the public's money into consideration there? They're really not. I mean, Vegas books like hundreds of million dollars, right? And so as long as they have the the number that they know is the most accurate, then they're going to collect the 10% on each side of the bet and they're going to be okay. So like their only job, regardless of who bets what in the long run, is to book as many bets as possible. Um, especially if they think the number is sharp, because then there's a 50% chance of each side winning, and that's good for them. Yep. Yep. Because they're collecting that 10% of each. Yeah. Right. 
Wow. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. a little bit deeper. Yeah. than I even realized to be honest that they care yeah. ju just as much, if not more about who's making the bet versus right. Uh, so, and, and really, I mean, there's tools to see like who's betting on what, if you're, if you're trying to see, is this a sharp better? Is this money that come is coming in on this game from a sharp better? Uh, the random millionaire who's like, I got 20 K to blow on a thing or, you know, just from like everyday Joe Schmo, who's just like throwing 20 bucks at this and 50 bucks at that. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and though, but those a lot, one way to tell where that money's coming from is when a line moves, right. But like not that many bets were placed on it. Right. It sort of indicates that maybe one big bet made by a sharp person is what moved that line. And that could inform the public to either tail that person or whatever, right? React accordingly. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's. I, I was really interested when I started in those types of numbers, right? In like, what percentage? Like, I, I, I was really, really. In, in my in my kind of beginning phases, really concerned with the percentages, um because I was trying to figure out like who are the sharps on, right? But the the reality is that in what I've learned is that those numbers actually don't mean that much because just because the sharps bet something at plus three doesn't mean they would still bet something at two and a half. Right. So it, it's it's actually information that is not useful forward looking as far as practicality. Right. Like what cause like my brother and I are betting WNBA props together. And he, we found that when he makes a bet on his account, they profiled the account as sharp. So it'll move, it'll move the number. And so we've actually discussed like him moving the number in a way to get a better number for everyone else who can bet. And the, then the number with more money. Yeah. It'd be like if, if there's a player like Sabrina Ionescu whose three pointers total is set at two and a half and we want to play the over, like we have actually had him bet under so that it opens up a better number on the over. And that's what I was So it's like at. it's it Yeah. 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 So it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It is. It's wildly interesting because it's still, it's not quite the wild, wild west of old, even like two years ago, you know, let's say, but it's yeah. still wild, right? But that shit would never, that, that's a great example of like, that shit would never happen, like, even on an NFL prop, let alone an NFL oh, right. spread. Like, right. we, you know, right. like, there's no way that on like a three or $400 bet, they're going to, they're going to swing like that mm -hmm. on yeah, the NFL it's, it's, side. There's just so much money coming in on the NFL uh, that the amount yeah. of money that needs to be bet on anything to move anything is going to be astronomical. Right. And like you said. Yeah, I don't even know what the number is. Like, well, I know Serga takes six figures on game day on NFL spreads. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would hope so. Yeah. I mean, and that, that does have to be a hard ticket, though. Right. Say it again. That has to be a hard ticket. Circa, yeah. No, they they have an app. Oh, they'll let it's you just put that amount in on the states. Exactly, wow. which is what makes them better than like a DraftKings because Circa says anyone who has the app, regardless of who you are, mm -hmm. you can take six figures. Right. One of the biggest issues for me right now is like most of the apps in Colorado, I can't bet there anymore because like if I log onto DraftKings and and try to make a bet, 
they're not going to let me bet any more than like $20, even if it's a major market, because yeah. they know that I'm historically a winner there. But yep. that's the difference between a DraftKings and a Circa bottle. But, right. And so where's, where's Circa's app legal outside Vegas, other places? I think it's Vegas, Colorado, Iowa, wow. and I think they just started in Chicago too, so Illinois. But, and that's 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 like, I mean, rule number one, if you're doing this is like, are you shopping lines? Do you have accounts with multiple books? It's it's got it's got to be rule number yeah. one. There's there's just there's even the little margins make a big difference, but it goes beyond that, right? Like just because the point one being DraftKings offers you a bet that is at minus one ten, and FanDuel is offering you the same bet for minus one twenty. That's ten cents on the dollar, but like that adds up, right? If you're betting at volume, especially, yeah, that adds up. But there's another point, which is like it, sometimes it adds up so much. There, there, sometimes though, <laughs> there's even more like clearly visible inefficiencies where um, not even a line different d- disparity, you know, in, in the offer, but maybe like one book is slow. For instance, as we're recording this, it's Thursday, July 27th. Joe Burrow got injured at practice roughly like three hours ago, right? And what happened as soon as Joe Burrow got injured in a way that was non-contact and looked like, oh, what? That could be bad, bad. Everybody who knows anything about sports betting and does this to try to make money and was at least on their phone at the time rushed to their app whatever one or ones they had to go, how can I bet Joe Burrow unders before they change that line? Because the book, as soon as the book sees that Joe Burrow gets hurt in practice, they're going to their odds and their offerings and they took it, they're taking it down as soon as possible because they don't want that weird, that, that, that lack of clarity in around a bet that they're offering people and smart people are going to go, Joe Burrow might be hurt. His over under passing yards right now is 4,500 yards. Well, if he, if I get that bet before (laughs) you get that, I couldn't get it. You have to, and, and, and I even, I even hit up a you guy who has quick, like, man. dude, I had, a, I have a, a buddy who I do a show with and he, he had like 18 <laughs> books, you know, at his disposal, including like John Schmo around the, around the block, you know, and even he couldn't <laughs> find any action to throw on it with it, but I sure, awesome. and I felt bad cause I was like, I'm not rooting for Joe Burrow to be hurt here. It's just like, you got to take advantage of, but if you only have one book and they take down what you, you know, the Joe Burrow prop, you can't get ahead of what's called a stale line at that point that one that hasn't been updated with uh, new information that's come along and stuff like that so having yeah. multiple books is a huge part of this do you mind if i jump into some nba specific stuff with you because that's that's your bread and butter yeah right? let's go i know we've been talking like big picture but I'm, i like it whatever direction man yeah i, yeah. I like it because yeah, I, I i think like you you've definitely even taught me a couple of things here so far so um nba betting insights specifically like i guess just to start how you're, you're watching these games you're a hoop head right yeah, I've loved basketball. I played college basketball. I coach basketball at the high school varsity level now. Um, it is. I actually was in Italy for five months this past year, coaching basketball for at an academy. I love basketball, and <laughs> it, it's definitely like that's the great part of my job now is that I get to watch basketball as part of my job and try to, you know, I try to do that as much as I can. Totally. Tell my wife that for me. Um, but yeah, it is t- it's pretty tight to be able to be like, babe, this is my job. Like, what do you want me to do? But, uh, the, the, so you, you know, I think that's always gonna be a part of it. I just want to make clear too. We're not saying like, you can't just, you can just be a complete stats nerd and be like pretty much ahead of the game and figure out how to make money without knowing too much about the sport. But at the end of the day, man, like you, it, that's always going to be a part of, I think, you know, 90% of, of sports betters, especially if, if you're betting on a specific sport. Uh, the way that we both bet on the NBA as much as we do, 
then you're, you're going to be watching these games. You're going to care about what happens and you're going to know the rules and the players and all that kind of stuff. So that, that is always going to be a part of it. But like, let's just say real quick, you're breaking down a slate, three things that we've talked about and that we've mentioned that I want to ask you how you kind of prioritize them. Line movements, which we've talked about line disparities between sports books, which we just talked about. And also talking about like missed place lines, according to maybe whatever projections that you might have um, or information that you think, you know, you have, which by the way, like if your whole model is based on, I'm, I can outsmart the books with my basketball knowledge. That ain't how it works. But there is times where you can look at something and go like, look, man, this is a good bet because this is somewhat likely to happen, in my opinion, and I get a really good return if this bet hits, right? So how do you prioritize those types of things when you're looking uh, at a slate? I think the biggest question I always ask myself is how much of this is actually information I have that is more than what's already in the line. So if I'm looking at like, you know, a game where it's a back to back and I think a player might sit, is that already accounted for in the line and not? So like I make my own numbers for NBA spreads and every, every night before the lines come out, I will literally go down and say, okay, based on my information that I have, what would a fair line be? So that when the book opens and the book opens the same as my number, there's not a bet there. Mm-hmm. And the big, like a great, ex- a great example, just looking forward to this upcoming season. And one that I used a lot last year was Indiana was a really interesting team because they actually were a great ATS team when Tyrese Halliburton was playing and a horrible ATS team when he was out. And that really like when they were setting the number in games that he was playing, they were using the entire season rating of all Indiana Pacers games, but they were so much worse than when he was out of the lineup that it wasn't, they weren't using a number that was actually reflective of the team they had when he was on the court. And so that was an, that's an example of like, I identified something that based on my own numbers, I determined wasn't in the line and therefore I could take advantage of real quick Uh, to interrupt you. ATS for those who don't know is against the spread. Um, And obviously like for betters, like, yeah, we want to know what the win loss record is of a team. But we really want to know how they do against the spread because the spread is the number that's given by the book in terms of the projection, right? That you can bet over under that spread, essentially, whatever. But without going too far into that, like the the idea of, of so, how someone performs against the spread is really saying, how do they perform against the expectations that Vegas and the public are setting for this team when they bet on them, right? Like we want to know, like, well, have the books been sort of under undervaluing this team and not right teams like the Pacers teams like the Thunder for the past couple of years teams like the Magic in, in certain situations like last year and the Magic were great because that was a even more specific ATS scenario where it was actually ATS at home because when they're on the road that's a little bit below 500 of a record for them against the spread if you bet on them every time you're probably up like seven units you know by by the middle of the season or whatever so um, I, I the, the ATS stuff I think is huge because it is more than just are they winning or losing. It's what, how are they performing against the way that 
Vegas and the, the, the public are projecting them, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a, my first actually friend in this space um, who I kind of like connected with when I was just starting to kick around the idea full time. Um, his name's Eddie Walls. He's a great NBA better and originator um, and a great guy. And his line is make a number and bet a number. So like if you have a number, like if you have your own number and you see a discrepancy and you trust your numbers, that's when you make a bet. Yeah. So what do you do? When- all the stuff like, go ahead. like what's an example of like this team is like all the shit, like back to the house is a team on a back to back. Like that shit is already in the line. Mm-hmm. So like, you're not, that's a great example of like, you're not really if you're using information like that that is probably why that it is widely known like you don't have an advantage mm-hmm. so that's not a good enough rationale to make it yeah, and 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 so that that is a very good point to the next question i have for you on all these lines which is when you are doing that work to come up with your own number right that is where hoops comes into play that's where information and which information to know comes into play. Because if you're making your own lines, then let's say that a team is on a second leg of a back-to-back. Not only do you, do the books also know that, they they also know what this team's against the spreads record is on back-to-backs. And all those like pretty yeah. obvious things are being taken into account. It's being able to, to understand which pieces of information are consistently being used by the books that you need to know so you can find out which piece of information they might be a little bit behind on getting, right? And it's not just the books, it's other batters right. that you're competing right. against to get the best Good number, call. right? So like if if you're like if, if you know, if you're like oh, I think this player is going to sit out a back-to-back tomorrow and like the books might not know that but you might have someone like eddie who's already made that judgment and has already bet the number down and the books have adjusted to that the books don't like move numbers independently the books are only moving numbers when people they know are winners are betting and yep totally and that's like a very important Cause yeah, because you're not you're not just racing like you're not racing against the sports book or playing against the sports book. You're also in a way like playing against other betters. That's one of the reasons I'm pretty really like reluctant, frankly, to give out a lot of my own plays because that actually like hurts my own ability to earn. Totally get it. <laughs> so like if I'm like giving away an angle or an edge I have then that's actually like making it harder for me to win. Yep. A great example of that from like years ago, and now this is totally out of whack, but like a team that a team that is down 0-2 in a best of seven series, that used to be like a, a huge angle that people didn't know about. That like a team down 0-2, when they came home to play game three, they would always have an outstanding performance in the first half. So like for a while you could pretty much blindly bet teams down 0-2 against the spread in the first half. And a lot of people still try to do that now. However, right now, you might have a team that's down 0-2 that it's a pick for the game, but the books and other bettors now know that angle. So whereas if a game was a pick, you'd expect the first half to be a pick. 
now the first half is minus three towards the team down 0-2 because they know that that team traditionally and historically plays better. Yep. So there's not an edge there anymore. But people will try to still bet that, right. even though like that's that's in the that's baked into the line now. And that's um, and that's a thing that you know I I I know I need to stay away from at times, which is the thinking of. I just really want to bet on this person. I just really want to bet on this thing because I feel like, and, yeah. and you could be right. Like you want to bet on that, that team in the, it, it, that's down two zero is going to win the first quarter or the first half because historically that's what they do. And you want to do that. But if you want to bet them on the money line, like there's no, there's no real strong numbers that indicate that the, the person, the team down Oh two necessarily covers once they're favored in game three, they just that they win game three or they win the first half. But if you want to take the money line of the first half for that team, it's like minus 200 minus 180, And there's no value. There's no juice because they've made it minus four and a half for this team. Right? Like the point is, is like, yes, you want to bet on that because there's logic there. But the numbers have now changed. The margins have moved so that the value of betting on it is gone. And once it's gone, yeah. you've got to just say bye-bye to it and and bet <laughs> on the things where there is value, even if it's a little bit grosser, like Grant Williams over four and a half points is not the sexiest thing, but it's minus 110 and it's going to happen. So you got to bet, you know, whatever, like that kind of thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> It has a more than 55% chance of that. There you go. Right? Like, Precisely. There's no such thing. Like, that's another thing that really like drives me fucking insane about the dialogue in the language on Twitter. And like there's a lot of like there's a lot of bullshit. Yeah. And whenever anyone refers to something as like a lot, yep. it's not true. I literally said that on a podcast sure talking about MLB betting this morning because I gave out one pick on like a shitty five game slate. And I was like, listen, y'all, there's too many people that want to give you a guaranteed bet. And I literally said, by the way, when you hear the word lock, that is a lie. <laughs> Walk away. So it's, it's funny that less than 12 hours later, you say the same shit. It's it's absurd. And, and you see these people who are getting who are using that language and getting like thousands of likes and like thousands of people who are actually listening to what they say. And it's, it just, it's tough. And, and that's yeah, why I wanted to have you on, man, because this is, you know, a very uh, interesting, delicate time in the sports betting industry for a number of reasons. One of which I could bore you with is about the revenue model and all this kind of stuff. But more importantly, like the, the, there's so many new people there. It, it's coming out of the darkness and into the light a lot more right you can do this legally the the rep is is definitely going towards positive versus just like sports betting being known as this back alley transaction going on right and stuff like that but like there's so there there's so many people that are already in it or are trying to take advantage of new people who don't know what they're talking about that it, I, I do find that like people like me and you who are the complete opposite and are trying to be transparent as, as much as possible with everything we do. Um, like that is actually something that's almost swimming upstream at this point. And it should stand out a bit more yeah. because it's too hollow to do it the other way. What happens when these people realize and, and, that everything you that they've learned from you is complete garbage and nonsense. Then what do they think about the industry? Then it's, then it's shut down. I don't know. But honestly, Josh, that's one of the questions I have is like, what, like do people really, want to bet on sports to make money or do they want to bet on, on sports and to just like have fun yeah. you know i have so many friends who know i do this for a living and th there's like <laughs> i'm 
like before a Super Bowl, everyone's like, what did you bet on? What did you bet on? And I have to tell them like, everything I bet is in a spreadsheet. There's about 158 plays and they've all moved about 30 cents and you need to have about 12. To, and then their, their eyes are already glazed right. over and I'm like, okay, like right. there's not many people who I think are willing because let's be real. Like that doesn't make people any worse. People have busy lives. People make money elsewhere. People have families. There's not many people who actually want to like right. go through the ups and downs and like sit down and log their shit in a spreadsheet and shop for the best line. And I think part of me is just like, that's okay. Yeah. You know? <laughs> because I don't survive if there's not people who are like, willing to do that that's so that's what you said earlier it's not just you versus the book it's you versus the book and everybody else betting with that book and pretty much every other book that's impacting it so <laughs> um it's 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 definitely yeah. a lot of players in the game to the point that you're making and uh I, i'm i'm fine with the fact that there's always going to be there's always going to be fish and there's always going to be sharks you know and sharks. so uh I'm, I'm fine with it too i think it's it's interesting too the last thing i'll say on this topic before we move on real quick to, to one of the last things i want to get to is like that there's a difference between the content that you put out as someone who is a capper like this is content um that is about uh, talking about it but i also have you know episodes on this podcast that are about here's the picks that i'm looking at for today's mlb slate and a few news and notes here's even some insights into what i wanted to bet on but why i couldn't get to it early enough or what's holding me back from betting on it because of this one other thing that came into play that is like i'd love to bet on spencer strider strikeouts tonight but here's why i'm i'm not feeling good about it or whatever right um and so i think there's good conversation to be had there but there's a difference between that and what i'm doing behind the scenes to make money as a sports better to, to win yeah. money i'm so much less concerned with making sure that i give out these good picks like I, i'm giving the good picks that i can and i'm being honest that like hey here's what i bet at plus 118 it's down to plus 105 and i might not take it anymore i know that sounds shitty because you can't do anything with this info but here's what i did right and like from i'm more concerned with that i get that plus 118 bet in than I am that I make content around it before I get it in. You know what I mean? And so I think right. you have to be very honest about that too as someone who is in the space that is looked to as almost like, right, like someone that should be tailed or an expert. Like we're both very clear. What we do to find the winning margins and the value and the bets that we're making, like we're focused on that. And then the content that we make around it is to help you as much as possible. And when we can get ahead of winning plays, give them to you if, if we, you know, feel like you, you're someone who's whatever deserves it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm actually happy, Josh, like truly, because I do the same thing. I'll go on podcasts with people who I know are smart and listen to it. And like, I'm curious as to what they have to say, but I'm really curious when they give out picks. So like, before we leave, I, I have a couple oh, yeah. for the upcoming let's season. Let's do it. Let, let's get into, get um, let's yeah. get into the, the upcoming NBA season. The last thing I want to do, I think people will be interested in is give, um, the, is have you, you talk a little bit about a game that I I'll give you, right. We talked about that where I'll, I'll give you a game scenario yeah. and you kind of help us break it down as you're looking at it. I'll give <laughs> you some, some parameters. We'll do that in one sec. Let's jump into what you think for this season for the NBA. And, and if you've got a couple is futures, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. So one, one area I think is a great example of something that's ripe for opportunity because there's not, it's brand new is betting on the the NBA in season tournament. And so the in season tournament is just a new format that they're doing in November and December where there's six different groups of teams. And if you're on the, if you win your group or if you're one of the top two other teams, you're in a single elimination eight, 18 tournament. Uh, 
So wait, and for, so, so you're and you're talking about the the one that's in in going to be in Vegas, right? In in November. exactly December seventh and ninth. Cool. Yep. And one thing that stood out to me just when I looked at the groupings was the Boston Celtics have by far the easiest. I think they're in a group with Brooklyn, Toronto, Chicago, and one other team. None of those teams are projected to be better, much better than 500, whereas the Celtics are projected to be regular season wins wise, the highest in right. the league, and they'll be favored in every single one of those games. And because they'll be favored in every one of those games, they will likely be a top seed when it comes to the 18 tournament. That also means they get the first game at home, which against any team in the league, the Celtics are going to be about 66% or higher to win a home game. And after that, there's two neutral games they would have to win. So you essentially do the math on that. Yeah. If they're minus 200, it's 66%. If you multiply that by 50% twice, you'll be about at 22%. So right there, the number that I think is appropriate, especially if you think the Celtics probably uh, are even better than a pick on a neutral court against whoever they would play in the semis, they should probably be priced no worse at the equivalent of 22%, or let's say for, for simplicity's sake, plus 400. Their number right now in a lot of places is plus 750. So I bet that because I think plus 750 represents about a 12 or 13% chance. And based on the math, the very rough math, right? We got to about 20% or 22%. So the discrepancy between my number, which is about two ninths or 22%, and the number that they're pricing at plus 750, which is about 12%, is about a 10% what we would call an edge. Yep. So I think Boston to win the play-in tournament has some value at that price, and I would bet that down to around plus 650. So to, uh, to win the tournament, they need to come out of the East and then face the winner in the yep, West, right? Yep. Yeah, I don't essentially. I don't actually know how exactly if they would play only East teams or if it would be a mix right. based on how the teams would be seated. Yeah, I need to. But I do know that it, it's gonna be. Yeah, the the first game they would play. Yeah. Given they do well in their group, which it would be highly probable, would be a home game against a lesser team. Yep, and it does say. Um, yeah, anybody can basically make the knockout rounds at that point from both sides it's just it's group play like like the world cup so um yep exactly the, the winner the two yeah the winners from each come in and then they have like some wild card stuff too where there's like they basically have the winner of each group which is six groups and then two more teams that they figure out so but either way the way that exactly you, you did that to like overarchingly and crazily simplify it is you took the likelihood of the celtics coming out of their group then you kept going, going from there, who they would play, I would give them this level of edge against the potential teams that they could play in the knockout stage, get that all the way down, and just keep doing that math until you get there to, to come up with, right, with the overarching number that you think is different than what's yep. been offered. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that's leaving, what the books are like doing to some degree, wiggle no? room, right? Sorry, say it again? Yeah, but I, in, in, I, I am leaving myself some wiggle room too, right? Like, if I'm... If I do the math out and I get what I said, 22%, like I'm not going to bet something that's like a 2% edge, especially because it's futures. They hold your money for a long time. 
there's better opportunities to like than putting your but if i'm getting like a that big of a discrepancy it's like yeah that's a bet totally and and once again like this is this is what it comes down to in in terms of like you know (laughs) it's funny because i feel like when people hear that someone got into sports betting because they're a huge sports fan it's like ooh, i don't know if i trust what that what so why does that make you good at betting that means you know sports but this isn't just about knowing sports right but this this part of it if you're gonna be this good at it the best way to do it is have your own ideas of what's going to happen and do that predicated on math and information that you're taking into consideration and the books might be most likely will be taking into consideration and then having a plan moving forward. And like, that's what the, the best betters and that's what the professional betters such as yourself and successful betters do is they always have their own thoughts and projections and about things. And when those don't line up, I mean, the people who are breaking down sports, right. As an expert, if those don't line up with what they are offered by the books, the more off that that is the bigger value that they get, that they're finding they have, then they're they're going to go for it, and you 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 know you you gain some experience, and you look for what to find. You find what to look for as you get better at it. But the key thing is like to just go in and be like, oh, what the Bulls are way worse than the Knicks, and to, the, the, this roster is way. How are they going to do? What? No way they're going to lose. Like the 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 favorite wins sixty percent of the time in this situation, and you just <laughs> you just have this level of overconfidence, right? That is just like, well, yeah. I don't. I, that's knowing sports isn't enough, man. Yeah. And overconfidence is a real thing. And like, I am literally telling you that that is a good bet, even though it will lose about 80% mm-hmm. of the time. Yep. Because over time, if you're going to be okay, yep. right? If if you're, and so, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm saying it's actually the farthest thing in the world for a, as a lock, but as a professional, that's the type of shit I'm better. Precisely. And, and that's, that's awesome, dude. Cause that's, that's such a great example of like, we're not saying this is likely to happen. There's a reason that it's listed as like 22% chance of happening, but you have it as an even better chance than that of happening, right? Based on the teams that they're going to play. So yeah, that it doesn't matter if it's a 22% chance to a 30% because a 30% chance is still a 70% chance of losing, but because you get yep. better value, if you better, bigger risk reward for the risk, it's worth it. And also notice like, this is a very niche thing, right? Like, Maybe next year, once the in-season tournament has happened, more people will know about it. More people will know about the format. The lines will be more efficient, but it hasn't been done before. Yeah. And so I think there's something to be said for, like, again, when you're a new better, picking your spots in places that aren't necessarily well-traveled. Totally. And, and that's the last thing I'll say, because I, I want to finish up with the, the example scenario. That's what we did at Summer League we all had the mm-hmm. same lack of information about who the heck this yeah. dude is. And we also, you know, there's more information to be had about certain guys like Dyson Daniels might get a good, uh, good odds on his, you know, points prop in a summer league game because only the, the, the losers know who the 10th dude on the bench is. Like we do, we know who Dyson <laughs> Daniels is because we love hoop and we're disgusting like that. Um, so when we see Dyson yeah. Daniels going up against, you know, Joe blow, who's never pl- stepped foot on an NBA court, we're like, well, hold on. This dude held his own on an NBA court in like a dozen games last year. He's playing against this dude who last year was, you know, it, it playing to whatever. So, um, yeah, you want to be able to find like when there's a lack of information from on the book side too, and everybody, it's, it's even more even playing field. So, I'm going to give you an yeah. example scenario. I, I think this is going to be a really good clip to just offer people because we talk about numbers and we talk about you know finding the edge and value, and we use words like line shopping and disparity all the time. But like, let's just go through an actual game 
in, in the mind of Kareem as uh, through uh, an example that I'll give you of an actual game that happened already. And you, I'll give you some of the details of that game that are important. You can ask me whatever follow-up questions you might have after I give you these details about the game uh, and the scenario and the setting and the context. And then we'll, we'll see how, you know, what questions you have, what thoughts you have about how you break this down and maybe a bet that you would make. So Denver played the, the, uh, the, the Denver Nuggets played the Cleveland Cavaliers it was unfortunate timing of the date because I, I just really wanted to, but it was one six 22 uh, Denver is minus five in this one at home. Uh, the total is two twenty one and a half. and a half, right? Um, at the time, Denver is 26 and 13. The Cavs are also a top three or four seed in the East with a similar record. Um, and the uh, nuggets are up a game on Memphis in the West. You know, it's still close. They haven't played Cleveland yet that season. Uh, this last year. So that means they haven't played Cleveland at all with Donovan in that, in that iteration yet. Uh, that was his first year with the Cavs, Donovan Mitchell. Uh, and also this is the second leg of a back-to-back, meaning they just played the night before the Nuggets did, but they played the Clippers who did have everybody, by the way, Kawhi and PG and everybody was healthy. That's rare. But wow. That, it's what's even more rare is when they were on the floor, they got smacked uh, and the Nuggets beat them uh, <laughs> at home against the Clips. They're 122 to 99 and the game was over in the first half. So Jokic and Murray and Aaron Gordon and KCP and everybody only played 25, 24 minutes at the most, right? Which means they're still pretty rested for this next game. Donnie Mitchell, though, gets ruled out. Uh, and the, the spread is, has, is at minus five with Donnie Mitchell out. That's what it closed at. So I'm wondering what you do with that and, and any other pieces of info that you might need to be able to make a, a bet on that. Yeah, I mean, right away to go back to the point is like uh, about what we were talking about earlier is I am immediately asking myself, like, what can I figure out that might not be broadly known yet? So like I'm the the one variable there, like we know a ton about teams on back to backs. I don't think there's anything right. there. Uh, we know a ton about how the Cavs have performed so far this season in all their games. We know a ton about how the Nuggets. So like I... The, I assume the line is already stabilized for Mitchell being ruled out. However, like what I think is an opportunity there is like how how does Donovan how does Donovan Mitchell being out impact the usage of other guys on the team like Darius Garland, Karis LeVert, the Bigs, right? I think there's theories I might have. Like I think my one theory I would have would be Darius Garland's assists would go way up, right? Because he's handling the ball more and he's having a lot more opportunities. Um, and Donovan's not soaking up that usage. I would need to figure out, like, is that theory right? So I'm immediately looking at on-off-court splits uh, with Mitchell out and how that impacts Garland. Like, am I right? Yeah. And then if I am right, I'm gonna make. I'm gonna. I'm gonna figure out exactly how much. Like, what is my own? Pro- what is my projection for? You know, if Garland's assists are normally set at 7.5 or is averaging 7.5 maybe i think without mitchell that could go up two so then my number is 9.5 i'm going to compare that has the book adjusted to that yet Mm -hmm. and it's that process kind of over and over again and really getting into the weeds right how are minutes going to change who's going to take donovan's minutes and what's that going to do how how do they play different than him uh 
So these questions you're asking that, yourself, yeah. how, how long of doing this do you think it be, before it became somewhat like second nature that these questions are just popping up in your head while you're doing this research rather than being like, well, uh, according to how to bet sports for idiots, it says that I should care about this now, right? Yeah, I think it's just generally, again, it's like attacking that problem of like, there is this there is this factor that's changing. And so like, what are all the things that happen as a result? So like, yeah, yeah. You're, you're in this space. You're just trying to, you're trying to, I think that's part of the fun about it. You're trying to predict the future in a way, right? You're trying to just make a projection and then see if your projection is correct. And it's like, we're the, the last 15 years of our life as sports fans has been first take and some form of it. Right. Which is Mm -hmm. like, well, I said yeah. this and I say that and I project this and I make this bold claim. And now <laughs> we're in a world of like, all right, well then bet what did you bet on it? <laughs> you know, when, you're right. When you that, yeah, that's out, that's a question you always have. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. And, and, like I actually bet I actually bet on the Celtics very heavily in game four when they were down three oh against Miami because like my number was not going to be influenced so much by what everyone was saying. Yeah. Right. So like the Celtics were three point favors and ga- favorites in game three. If you remember, yeah. they got absolutely destroyed. And then in game four, they were three point underdogs. So like that didn't make right. sense to me. Right. Right. And it didn't reflect. So, and that's a great example of like the cause of that number shifting was just a lot based on I think an overreaction in the general in in the general totally. public where that can sway the number a little more in the playoffs when that's the only game totally. on. Uh, but that's that's for well, no, and, and I think the w- two things I want I want to say um, real quick is one, um, the 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 sort of overvaluing mm-hmm. that happens. The, the, the Celtics go down; they're minus three now going into Game Four. Or in the, I'm sorry, plus three going into Game Four when the last game they were they were three point favorites. It's in the same building. Like, what's changing here that I should be? You know, what I don't get it. It's like maybe the mental aspect of it. But what needs to be clear is like once you establish that you think they're th- they're better than three point dogs in this game, everything you do based off of that moving forward, you could be wrong. And then everything that you mm-hmm. do after that first wrong point. I get it. And there's there, but at, at a certain point you just have, that's what we keep talking about. You have to believe in what you've come up with and ride it out, baby, and decide how sure you are to decide what other things that do I think it. So for instance, I was very confident in Miami winning game one of that series. I really, really was. Um, and so I bet them to win the series at plus 400. Cause I thought that was mispriced and I bet them to win game one and win the whole series. Cause I thought that was mispriced. Right. And lo and yeah. behold, got both those, which was, uh, which was great. But like right. the, 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 I was convinced that was going to happen. And if they lose game one, both bets look pretty shitty. But like I, this, this is what I believe in, and I believe in what I'm, I, I come, up, I came up with here. So I'm gonna ride with it, right? Um, the, the other thing I want to say too, because you keep bringing it up, and I'm, I'm really realizing that if I, if I'm just like putting um, a label on how I bet the NBA, it's what are this dude's stats when this dude doesn't play? <laughs> like that's kind of what a lot of my player prop betting turned into last year. Do you know what I mean? And honestly, that's more important than ever. Yeah. Like as 
because there's more and more guys resting every exactly. night in that day. And we it's keep just, complaining yeah. about it for good reason because I'm like, I'm sitting here on a Tuesday in the NBA and I'm like, yo, I can't bet on this if the injury report is still with filled with six dudes who matter. I, what am I supposed to do with yeah. this? That's wildly frustrating, but it's almost worth it for to have all this annoying, you know, these annoying circumstances in the NBA with, with rest when that guy sitting out means I know that this dude doubles in his points per game average because he is a Tyus Jones is a starting point guard in the NBA. So when 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 John Moran is out and his, and his he's capped at like 12 points in that game, I'm like, well, he goes from eight to 17 when Ja doesn't play. And this is over a 25 game. Yeah. Sample. So what? Do, oh, great. Let me get the 12 and a half, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And betting, betting on uncertainty. Yeah. Some of the best NBA betters I know today are just like, OK, when Luca gets a questionable tag that still means he's playing based on my doubt at 95% of the time. So like the market may have offered. So like you're, yeah, you're trying to, you're trying to take a, take a stance on like what your beliefs are versus what's out in the open. And the people who are good at it will have better stances. Totally. So <laughs> listen, man, you've been very generous with your time. I super appreciate it. I'm I'm very confident I'm going to ask you to do this again at some point in the near future, especially when the season starts. So hopefully you'll uh, be as yeah, with absolutely, me. man. Yeah, Josh, thank you, man. This is fun. No I always appreciate just talking hoops and and uh, talking to to good people. So I appreciate you. Oh man. yeah, man. Yeah, one of the good guys in the industry. So I recommend giving him a follow. KK12 on Twitter or whatever the hell the platform. <laughs> I'll is try called. to post. Uh, <laughs> I'll try to post a little more stuff, man. I only started posting like three days ago because i was like shit i'm coming on this podcast and i have nothing so <laughs> it is, yeah. it's all and good. also like but but truly if if there's anyone listening to this i'm happy to i'm happy to like talk about x y and z and so more than more than following like reach out on yeah there. for sure man hit him up like i said at kk12 <laughs>